0: Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the famous novel, Animal Farm. George Orwell wrote this political satire in the form of a fable in 1945, giving it the title Animal Farm. The book shocked the world, fueling conflicts between capitalism in the USA, and the socialism of the Soviet Union. The story triggered different responses from the two opposing ideologies. In the capitalist countries of the West, the work was warmly received. People believed it was an objective evaluation of a socialist country and told the truth about its living conditions. Western societies embraced the story, and its popularity grew. Animal Farm was translated into more than a dozen languages, adapted for children illustrated and turned into animated movies. Orwell himself became a spokesperson and arbiter of his time, with influential moral views, and a linguistic style that influenced the works of many Western novelists and playwrights of the 1950s and 60s. However, in communist Russia, the novel was regarded as anti-Soviet, anti-socialist, and was banned for many years. In fact, The book is widely regarded as a revelation of the dark side of Joseph Stalin's influence in the Soviet Union and an attack on totalitarianism across the world. In the preface to the Ukrainian edition, Orwell says that some elements of the plot were inspired by the historical facts of the Russian Revolution. During the Cold War, the United States actively used the book as a propaganda weapon against the Soviet Union. So is this really an anti-socialist story? Why did it touch a nerve on both sides? Next, we will discuss the novel's plot in three parts. Firstly, we will explain the novel's narrative framework. We will hear how the animals on the farm plan their revolution, and what kinds of power struggle take place as the revolt gets underway, and how the ruler gradually starts to betray the revolutionaries. In the second section, we will analyze the ideas this work seeks to convey, and the symbolic representation behind the character of the various animals. In part 3, we'll talk about Orwell's approach to writing, how his experiences changed his ideological views, and why he wanted to use animal imagery to illustrate his ideas. Part 1 The Changes at Animal Farm Manor Farm, the former name of Animal Farm, was owned by a cruel and greedy farmer, Mr. Jones. One night, drunk on wine, he forgets to close the henhouse and lock up the animals. So, while he and Mrs. Jones sleep, the animals assemble in the large barn and listen to a speech delivered by Old Major, a venerated pig. Old Major is twelve years old and slowly dying. Before he breathes his last breath, he wishes to pass on his wisdom to other animals. He speaks with indignation of the miserable lives animals lead. As soon as they are born, they are forced to work, their food is barely enough to sustain them, and they are sent to slaughter when they are of no further use. He tells the assembled animals that this tragic way of existing is not natural. There is plenty enough land in England for all creatures to have a decent life. The main culprits of this tragedy, he argues, are humans. They have always exploited the labor of other animals for their own gain. From Old Major's point of view, men are the root of all evil. Only by getting rid of their domination can animals live a free and rich life. So, Old Major encourages the animals to rise up. To galvanize them, he teaches them the Anthem Beasts of England. The song's lyrics are about the promise of a better future for animals. Inspired by its words, they sing the song over and over again. After this encouraging speech, three days later, Old Major dies. The animals who were there carry his message with passion, passing it on to others. Everyone actively prepares for the rebellion, waiting in anticipation for the fated day to come. Conditions for the animals deteriorate. After losing a damaging legal battle, Mr. Jones neglects his farm more than ever and is always drunk. On Midsummer's Eve, he drinks heavily and falls asleep on his bed. His hired farm workers are idle, and the animals have had no food all day. Later, crazed with hunger, the animals break into the shed, where Jones locks away their food. The noise awakes Jones. Seeing what has happened, he indiscriminately lashes out at the animals. The starving animals cannot stand it any longer, so they bring their plan into action, and fiercely rush at the farm hands who flee in terror. At the end of the day, the rebellion is complete, and the animals control the farm. Now the farm belongs to the animals. Among them, two outstanding pigs, Napoleon and Snowball, assume leadership. Snowball is lively, articulate, brimming with ideas and plans. He devotes himself to establishing a range of animal organizations, such as for hens, the egg production committee, the clean tails league for cows, and the wild comrades re-education committee to tame the rats and rabbits. However, the only projects that actually succeed are the literacy and the writing classes. Every animal receives some education. The pigs are the fastest learners. Many other animals give up once they know how to spell a few words. Napoleon, the only Berkshire boar on the farm, is quiet but determined. He recognizes the importance of education, but he is not interested in Snowball's other miscellaneous committees. He understands how education will form the next generation and adopts nine freshly weaned puppies telling their mother he will be responsible for their education. He takes the puppies and keeps them in seclusion away from the other animals on the farm. After taking over, Old Major's teachings are condensed into seven commandments. These are inscribed on the wall, and the farm is renamed Animal Farm, the commandments say, Whatever goes upon two legs is an enemy, Whatever goes upon four legs, or has wings, is a friend, No animal shall wear clothes, No animal shall sleep in a bed, no animal shall drink alcohol, no animal shall kill any other animal, all animals are equal. Snowball boils down the full set of rules into a single slogan, and the sheep especially love to sing this all day long, for legs good, two legs bad. The animals work harder than ever under Napoleon and Snowball's leadership, but they are happy because now they are working for themselves. No one wastes food, and no one steals it. They have more to eat than ever before and greater leisure time. There are setbacks, some animals cannot successfully manipulate the farm tools designed for humans, and they do not have a threshing machine to shell their grain. However, with their brilliant minds, pigs often come up with new solutions and lead the way. Sunday is a day to rest, and no one works. It's the day the animals hold their general assemblies, plan for the upcoming week's work, and propose and vote on resolutions. It is always the pigs who make proposals, with Napoleon and Snowball making the most contributions. Despite the democratic procedures, they can never reach a consensus. For example, if one of the pigs promotes sowing barley in the winter, the other will recommend planting more oats. Snowball usually wins the majority of the votes because of his excellent oratory, but Napoleon is skilled at canvassing for popularity outside the assembly. His interactions and influences are effective, particularly on the sheep. He encourages them to disrupt the proceedings. The sheep often interrupt the meetings singing four legs good, two legs bad, especially when Snowball's persuasive speech reaches a dramatic point. A project to build a windmill causes the most intransigent disagreement. Snowball thinks the windmill should be constructed to generate electricity. Electricity can provide light and heat and run various machines to do the work for the animals. It would ease their working schedule. However, Napoleon scoffs at the scheme. He believes the priority should be increasing food production. Everyone could starve to death while they waste time building a windmill. Eventually, one Sunday, they come to the final ballot, and Snowball's eloquence wins it by a landslide. At the moment when the triumphant decision is announced, Napoleon lets out a howl. Nobody has heard such a terrible sound before. Nine big dogs rush in and go straight for Snowball. Desperately, he escapes from the hound's jaws and flees. This leaves Napoleon as the sole commander of the animal farm. He immediately announces the suspension of the Sunday meetings. Instead, decisions will be made by a special committee of pigs, led by him. All the other animals would simply have to accept their decisions. Needless to say, the announcement upsets the other animals, among them four little pigs who only know a few words. They disapprove of the new arrangements. Everyone wants to protest, but they don't know how to express themselves. The four little pigs don't dare to speak up, they are too frightened of the barking of the nine fierce dogs who act as Napoleon's bodyguards. Then, the sheep begin to sing, for legs good, two legs bad. By the time they quieten down, the opportunity for discussion has passed. In the aftermath of the meeting, Squealer, a pig renowned for his eloquence and persuasiveness, lobbies to the animals on Napoleon's behalf. He portrays Napoleon's power grab as an act of self-sacrifice for all animals' benefit. He attempts to discredit Snowball's legacy. He uses their fear of Jones as a trump card, when the other animals challenge him. If they don't put their trust in Napoleon, Jones will return and reclaim the farm. He declaims, surely, comrades, you do not want Jones back? It's true, no one wants the farmer back. If Napoleon's move is what can prevent Jones's return, the animals can't argue against it anymore. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app.